नमाओं विष्णुपदाय कृष्ण प्रस्थाय भूतले श्रीमते भक्ति सिद्धांत सरस्वती नामिने श्रीवाश्रवानवी देवी दुईताय कृपाभ्याय कृष्ण संबंध विज्ञान दाहिने प्रभवे नमः मधुदुर्जवला प्रेम मध्य सिरुपानुग भक्तिदा श्रीगौर करुणशक्ति विग्रहाय नमोस्तुते नमस्ते गौरवानी श्रीमुत्ताये दिनतारिने रूपनुग विरुधाप सिद्धंत दंत हारिने श्रीभक्ति सिद्धंत सरस्वतीता को प्रोपाद की जाए श्रीबाब मामोत्सवती भक्ति सिद्धंत सरस्वतीता को प्रोपाद की जाए so today we are honoring the disappearance of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who appeared in the world in Purushottam Shetra, Jagannath Puri Dham, as the son of Kedarnath Bhaktivinoda Thakur. It is said that Bhaktivinoda Thakur prayed for a son who would help him in his mission as he envisioned it, of widely disseminating the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And there is no doubt from the historical record that this son appeared in the form of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada, who was named at the time of his birth by Thakur Bhaktivinoda as Bhimala Prashad. Bhimala means pure, white, clear, bright like daybreak. And he ushered in a dawn of a new era of Gaudiya Vaishnavism and brightened the whole world with his vision of how to implement and fulfill the vision of Bhakti Vinod Thakur and fulfill the prophecy of Gauranga Mahaprabhu that his name would be heard in every town and village. Bhimala also refers to the Jogumaya potency of Jagannath and the family deity of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, whom Thakur Bhaktivinoda prayed to for Braj Bhakti, and without whose prashad, without whose mercy, no one can get Braj Bhakti. So Bhimala Prashad, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, was named later the names Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati and so forth were accepted by a great Param Guru Dev. And today, the day of his disappearance, about 64, 65 years, he lived uh, in the world and preached on the New Year's Day by the Western calendar, January 1st of 1937, during the auspicious Brahma Muhurta corresponding with the Nishantalila of Radha and Krishna at about 5.30 in the morning he left the world and the bright Bhimala Prashad left a dark cloud of separation over his disciples and it's said that at that time in the Mat all of the clocks stopped time stood still and yet it became a time in the 
darkness of the hour of separation from the great Gaudiya reformer and compassionate world of charge of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. The dark cloud of separation ensued in the lives and the hearts and the minds of his disciples after his departure gave birth subsequently to great preaching missions that would further extend that which he himself lived and breathed for, both the wide-scale propagation of Gaudiya Vaishnavism and via that medium of preaching, Namsan Kirtan, the Brihat Madanga, the awakening in the hearts of those preachers, Brajapakti. So the dark cloud of separation has a bright side to it. Miraha, Titi. It is the, the Titi, the time of the Miraha, disappearance. So Miraha means, it's really in the, very much part of the romantic, poetic language. It means separation of lovers. But uh, Raha also means mystery, Rahasya, secret. And bhakti itself, as much as it is proclaimed as the highest, the best, the most complete path, the best way of worshipping the Supreme Lord, is at the same time a great secret. And within the secret of bhakti, there are many mysteries as well. And this is one of them, the mystery of separation. In tattva, in truth, there is no separation from Krishna at any time. This message he sent to the gopis via Uddhava. But they did not sit very well with them. Because the truth may be one thing, but we may feel another way. But those feelings of separation from Krishna that contradict the tattva, the truth of the fact that he's everywhere at all times. And there's nothing that's separate from him. Is a truth of its own, this miraha, this feeling of separation. Because in this intense feeling of separation for the Lord, although he's everywhere, he becomes more present, appears personally. Tesham evanu kampartam hamagyana jamtama nashayami atma bhavasto gyanadipena vashvata from Srimad Bhagavad Gita, 10th chapter, we find this as the fourth of the four essential verses of the Gita, Krishna's song. And our charges have gone deeply inside those verses. And this fourth verse, Sridhar in particular, has explained it in a wonderful way to shed light on this mystery of separation in which the Lord's presence becomes more intense. He says that actually the inner meaning of this verse is that the Lord himself, seeing the glory of the devotee's love and the pain manifest in the form of the pain of their separation, he comes forward to get their association. 
no better example of this can be found in the literature and in the Leela of the Lord than in the Ras Panchajai when the gopis were feeling the separation from Krishna after he had disappeared from Rasa dance and witnessing from the bushes and behind the trees the t- intensity of their love he was forced by that intensity to come forward and be that much more present present to such an extent by the force of their love and separation that he actually acknowledged in terms of love his subordinate position to them so such is the power of separation even materially speaking we know the english adage separation makes the heart grow fonder is there to illustrate this point although generally speaking separation from material things don't bring them any closer still it is said it makes the heart for them grow fonder when we feel separation from the lord or his devotees which are not material objects but spiritual realities and the separation is on the spiritual plane then such possibility exists as we're describing that in the midst of such separation the lord's presence can be felt more intensely even than in union in sambhog these are the two banks of the river of love vipralamba and sambhog separation and union though they complement one another and shiman mahaprabhu is said to be the pralamba murti the very example of the very form of separation showing the way for example in jagannath puri through vipralamba how to enter into the highest ideal of bhakti so we should try to understand this viraha separation it's a very esoteric subject it is viraha very mysterious it is uh, as is bhakti mysterious so this idea within bhakti even more so how presence is possible and in the greatest intensity through the feelings of separation and we see as i mentioned that the cloud of separation the darkness the pain of separation that came with the disappearance of the bright dawn like bimal prashad bhakti sanatana saraswati thakur in time not without struggle not without some difficulty the test comes what we've learned at the end when the spiritual master leaves the world then we're tested what did we understand what did we live for was it for actually what he taught and represented and if so then we stand up for that even in his absence and to such an extent that we can represent him anew as time and circumstance change so all of us will have to come to deal with this at some time we myself my god brothers god sisters have had to deal with this and you who are sitting before me at least this evening the grand disciples of propod and the great grand disciples of bhaktisiddhanta saraswati thakur have seen what struggle my god brothers and god sisters went through we heard about the struggle of godiamath a little bit but most of you have even more first-hand experience of that struggle which for many seems to continue even today in terms of a proper understanding ability to stand in the line of devotion 
and what to speak of to represent it, to preach it, to disseminate it with the force and the insight of substance over form that Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur was all about and those who succeeded him, his immediate disciples who were successful largely in, in worldwide preaching also exemplified. My Guru Maharaj in particular was such a person of substance over form. This is difficult to understand when someone has the ability to stand for substance over form and replace a previous form with a new form to give shape to the substance of the teaching. Often, as is in the case of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, as in the case of my Guru Maharaj, such persons are misunderstood by others who remain attached to the form, which is laudable, but not so much so if that attachment gets in the way of understanding the substance. So you have seen, you have witnessed the difficulty, but that difficulty comes to sort us all out, to test us. Sridharmarsh gave the example of separation from Sri Guru at the time of his disappearance. He said, like the lotus, the lotus requires water and the lotus requires sun. The lotus is like the disciple, the sun is like Krishna. And the water that surrounds the lotus, enabling it to endure and be nourished by the sun, is Sri Guru. So in the absence of Sri Guru, we have no standing in relation to Krishna. Yasya prasada, bhagavat prasada, yasya prasada, nagati If we forget the Guru and try to approach Krishna, what will our position be? Nothing. We'll be hurled down, repelled. So in the absence of our Guru, we stand a chance of withering. And so we have to learn to find, to make him present in his apparent absence by our living up to his ideal and in a heartfelt way crying for his support with knowledge, knowing that without that we are nothing. We have no standing. Raha, viraha. Raha means also in solitude, a solitary place. So Vidaha means that when the Guru leaves, he goes inward to the sacred solitude of the hollow of the heart. What he has been culturing there, internally while externally teaching and preaching, the call of the Lord within his heart becomes louder than the tears of the inhabitants of the world. Having answered to the tears of the world with a compassionate heart by preaching the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that Lord, Sriman Mahaprabhu Antaryami, Bhagavan Sri Krishna in his heart, cannot tolerate the separation from his servant, who's tendering to his desire to see all living beings united with him. So he calls upon him, and that call of Krishna becomes louder even than the tears of the world. And he has to turn 
even from the preaching and enter the solitude of the, the sacred hollow of the heart and yad gatvani vartanteta dhamma paramamama never to return. So if we want to meet with him again, we have to go there. There's no secret where he's gone. Nittilila pravishto mishnupad paramhamsa parivrajakachar jashtakarasata sissima bhaktisadanta sarasati takur pravipad He's entered the Nittilila. When Gurudev leaves, this is the secret place that he goes. Aham vajja shaitad dvipe tamaham golokumitiyam that place that is known by a few only, secret place, Goloka. He enters there. Svetadvipa, the private island of God, Goloka. So we have to go there. Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur was known externally for not staying in a place of solitude, Aviraha. Bhagavad Gita just mentioned, in the sixth chapter, one should go to a quiet place. Audari Lila asks, I had spoken a tape on the sixth canto of Suman Bhagavad Gita, and we discussed this point of doing one's bhajan in a quiet and appropriate place. And when he heard the tape, it moved him. I think I said in the tape, not while driving in the car. You may also do that, but sometimes you'll be put aside for actually sitting and doing japa. And I think he listened to the CD while he was doing japa and driving the car. We have gone out of our way to facilitate those who can't live in the monastery, to give them some opportunity to stay closely connected. We give the talk, it's recorded on the CD, the CD can be put in your car and you can listen to the CD in your car (laughs) while driving to work. But... And we give the a newsletter about the goings-on here. We invite persons to come. We have the Sangha Internet where you can turn on your computer right on your desktop. You can get the class, and if you have a question, you can ask, and it can be answered, and so forth. We've done as much as we can. We try to do more in a way to facilitate persons in consideration of the modern lifestyle. But everyone has to give something, too on their side. So you have to find some quiet place to chant Japa, not in the traffic jam. So apparently he was listening to the tape and maybe also chanting Japa, I think he said in a recent message to me. And uh, that struck him. Sunday he went to church. His wife is a good Catholic, so he goes with her. And the priest gave a talk. And it was just maybe the day after or something. And the, and the priest said that all of us have to find some time to sit in a sacred space create a sacred space for ourselves to sit and actually contemplate the importance of life and religion and prayer and do our prayer and so forth. <laughs> so we should find a sacred place. We discussed this. But Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur was known for not staying in a quiet place. At that time, the time of his mission, everyone was shocked. The Vaishnava world was shocked at the idea that he would go to Calcutta did you know that his Guru Maharaj, Gorkashodas Babaji Maharaj, would never think of going to Calcutta, the world of Maya? But inspired by Bhaktivinoda Thakur, his other guru, Bhaktivinoda Sarasvati Thakur, charged into Maya, full speed ahead, establishing his mat in Calcutta. At that time, you have to understand, it was a revolutionary idea. All the Vaishnavas were staying in the holy dams, Vrindavan, Nabadweep, 
Shichetra, Jagannath Puri Dham, holy places, sacred places, quiet places, secret places, even within those places, to do their bhajan. But from his bhajan he came up and came out and did the kirtan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, going to the main cities like Calcutta and all across India, 64 months, he established and sent emissaries out to the west, to Europe, to London. It said that he said that he wanted to live ten extra years to be able to go to America. He had a vision, apparently, as to the prominence that the United States would rise to in the world scene after World War II. After all, during that time, it was even before World War II, England was the most prominent nation. Of course, he didn't live those ten years, but then again, Bhaktivedak Shuradeva Goswami Maharaj said, he got those ten and two, twelve, in the form of his disciple. Shilesi Bhaktivedanta Sami Prabhupada. So Bhaktivedanta Sarasati Thakur lived on. Our Prabhupada, my Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj realized that presence in separation. He used to say, I never feel my Guru Maharaj is absent for a moment. So he didn't stay in the quiet, secret place. Raha means biraha, quiet, solitude. He entered the solitude of the heart, Nirjan Bhajan. He entered the spirit of that through wide-scale preaching and recommended we do the same. Preach and do bhajan, preach and do bhajan. And here we are, seated in a remote, quiet place. Are we going against the teachings of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur? <laughs> you can hear the rain falling on the top of the yurt on this night in the forest. Here we are in the redwood forest. There's no house in sight anywhere, in any direction. Even if you go half a mile down the road where there is a house, you cannot see it. One mile from here, you can see one house down the road. But from Aldar, you here, you cannot see any sign of the modern world. Here we are, completely removed going against the teachings of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi <laughs> and speaking about him on the day of his disappearance. But are we really? Again, what is the substance and what is the form? He coined the term Jivanta Murdanga and Brihat Murdanga. Jivanta Murdanga were his sannyasis. By that he meant living drums. And they would play along with others the Brihat Murdanga, the big drum, which was the printing press for widely doing kirtan in a dynamic way all over the world. So times have changed now, and it's possible. Not only is it possible, but further, it's practical. To live in a secluded place, and at the same time preach all over the world, as we are doing. Through this recording, for example, through the internet preaching that we are doing, every day I have somewhere between 50 and 100 questions that are backlogged that I cannot get to in the midst, of course, of other services that I have writing here, doing my own bhajan and, of course, seeing to the development of Audarja. So we can stay in a sacred place and still be all over the world 
at the same time. And encourage people from all over the world to come to such a sacred place. To make their home sacred by imbibing some of the atmosphere here, through the talks and the newsletters and the question answering and so forth. And we invite them to come personally as well, over and over again. We like our peace here. We know they won't come. <laughs> They'll say a thousand times, I'd like to come, I'd like to come. <laughs> we want them to come a thousand times. But we know the world is very powerful. It speaks very loud. We are trying to speak louder. And if the Lord is kind and our charges are kind enough, they shower their mercy upon us and bless us, we'll have the power, the spiritual power, to speak louder than the world speaks. That people will come and take the time in their life to understand the significance of the lineage that they have come in connection with. The great lineage of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakur. Sometimes it's called by Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakur himself, Bhaktivinoda Paribar. There's a famous question in Bengal if you go, what is your Paribar? means what family, what, what lineage from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu down are you coming in? Are you coming in the Jati Gosai from one of the Goswamis or from Garadhar, Nitananda Prabhu, Advaita Vamsa, Shamananda Prabhu? And Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthidakar's answer was what? Bhaktivinoda Parivar. Acknowledging Bhaktivinoda Thakur as the seventh Goswami. This is our family and it is very dignified. Slight connection with this will turn into something very big. Like in Adam, Peter Marsh once told me Adam is very small, but inside is very great potential. So a very small connection with a great lineage of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati has great potential. We should try to realize that potential in our lives. And in days like this, we have the chance to remember something about the significance of, of separation and the significance of the great person Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati Thakur, whom we are trying to represent here with the whole concept of Audarja. Audarja actually refers to the Lila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as opposed to Madhurya of Radha Govinda. Madhurya is sweet and it is secret also. And Audarja is sweet but it's not a secret. And that makes it even sweeter, that a very sweet and secret thing could be made public. Therefore, Sridharmarsh used to like to say, representing Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami's own explanation, Kaviraj Goswami has compared Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to a fountain from whom innumerable rivers of Krishna Leela are flowing in all directions. Sridharmarsh said, first the giver, then the gift. We've explained this before to some extent, but again, Gaur Leela makes Krishna Leela accessible. So sometimes we think of it as lesser, a means to the higher end of Krishna Leela. But if we go deeply within Krishna Leela, what do we find? We find the union of Radha and Krishna. The union of Radha and Krishna at Nishanta Leela, the time of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasri Thakur's disappearance, also represents Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So deep within Krishna Leela, 
Raspancha Jai and Rasalila also. It is there. The separation from Krishna that the gopis felt, the separation that Krishna then felt from them in the subsequent union, and, the, and in that union Krishna's acknowledging the greatness and the superiority of their love is all about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So deep within Krishna Lila, again we find Gaur Lila. So it's hardly a lesser thing. It's the greater thing. It is Krishna Lila, along with great magnanimity. So Audarya means something like going inward, deep within Krishna Lila, to go out. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati went very deep in his bhajan. He actually took the practice of Thakur Haridas, chanting three lakhs daily, completing a billion names, and other similar bratas in relation to bhajan he took up for long, long periods of time before he got up and did his campaign of preaching. So his kirtan was more than a means of purification, which kirtan also is cheto darpanamarjanam. It begins with cleansing the heart, Baba Mahadavaganinavapanam, and so on. His was a kirtan that came from deep within Krishna Lila to represent Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Lila. In wide-scale propagation, the idea is, as Krishna's searching even, to understand in union the nature of the love of Radha, wanting to become so close to her that she can understand it, accepts her mood and this highly esoteric and internal affair turns into something that overflows widely all over the world. So his bhajan, his kirtan, was like this. And now Darya is meant to represent this concept. Again, although it's overtly different, and we're not going to the cities, my Guru Maharaj also following Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasitaka, went to Los Angeles and New York and London and Paris and so forth, all the major cities, and established major temples there. And one of my godbrothers, Brahmadas, a dear friend of mine, heard about me hiding away here, so to speak, on the Internet. Not hiding too much, I guess, but uh, inspired by what he read, he wrote, and we had an exchange, and subsequently he... He came to visit me here and has, of course, many times and is kindly assisting me now in my work. And he confided in me that he thought, what is Maharaj doing up there? He should be here in San Francisco in the city preaching. But when he came here and saw the place and heard from me, he could understand that um, just like many, many years ago, I stood once in the Los Angeles airport disguised in secular clothing with a suitcase full of books looking around thinking, my goodness, standing here in this one place, I could be instrumental in having Prabhupada's books go many, many, many places all over the world. This is really actually the whole idea of Sankirtan. Just like there's a place in your brain, if you touch that one place, the whole body becomes paralyzed. By pouring water on the root of the tree, the whole tree is nourished. By doing this kind of parupakar, Sankirtan, all problems can be solved. Standing in one place, in an airport, books could go every place. So as I felt like that many, many years ago as a young man, now after many, many years and much experience, 
in the world of preaching, which Prabhupada seemed to recognize me for. Whenever I used to go on a walk with Prabhupada, he always used to stop and ask me, so, Tripari Das, what are they saying? Because he knew I was in touch with the world, with people, firsthand, being out in the field and distributing his literature and so forth. And then I would give him some challenge that I might have heard, and he would answer it and so forth. So as I was thinking at that time, many years ago, standing in the Los Angeles airport, in those days it was illegal to sell books in any airports, I was thinking if there was only a way that we could have this facility and subsequently facility in all these airports, we could do some major service. And, of course, by Krishna's grace and Prabhupada's grace, it happens like that. But as I felt like that, after many, many years of experience in preaching and being really in touch with the world as Prabhupada expected me to be and in touch with my inner life and in touch with the world, I should say, with a leash on, closely tied to Prabhupada, after many, many years of that and, of course, after in the separation that resulted from the disappearance of Prabhupada, the wonderful, with the setting, I should say, of the son of Prabhupada, the rising of the full moon of Bhaktivedanta Goswami Maharaj in my life. Sridhar Maharaj, of course, was different from Prabhupada, my Guru and a little bit the object of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakur's criticism sometimes. As much as he, Sarasati Thakur, was outgoing and widely preaching, my Guru Maharaj also, Sridhar Maharaj used to say that Prabhupada, Bhaktisiddhanta, liked me to have me go out and meet the public, and he told Swami Marsh, my Guru Marsh Prabhupada, Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, bring him out, try to bring him out. So that was part of their relationship. My Guru Marsh and, and, and Sridhar Marsh Prabhupada always tried to bring him out for preaching, and he always, Sridhar Marsh resisting to some extent. Especially after the time of the departure of Bhaktisiddhanta Sastakar, he more or less retired to Navadvip. He made a compromise, he made a pact, a deal with Nityananda Prabhu. He asked for residence in the Dham of Navadvip, and at that time he had refused anyone who came to him for initiation. Keshav Maharaj, Goswami Maharaj, and others had told that if Sridhar had initiated, they would have never done so. They had such regard for him. But because he refused, out of his own humility, and his genuine lack of interest in any kind of a following, which was a great quality of his, marked by everyone. It's ironic because so many really misjudged him of my godbrothers and godsisters. He was known, one of his characteristics was disinterested in any following. But somehow he was characterized as wanting to get the credit for the great following that resulted from the preaching of Prabhupada, Bhaktivedanta Sami Prabhupada. Anyway, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasi Thakur wanted him to come out sometimes and dress better. If you'd ever seen him, of course, with tattered cloth and Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj, and silks. <laughs> Why? For representing with dignity the teachings of Mahaprabhu to the public. So sometimes Sarasi Thakur said, they'd tell him to dress better, come out into the public. And apparently Prabhupada Swami Maharaj, Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada was encouraged by Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati to try to bring Sridhar Maharaj out. And of course he did, ultimately, after his disappearance. He brought him out. That bringing the whole problem 
resulting from his disappearance, the whole cloud of separation to his doorstep. No one tendered to that need more compassionately and with wisdom than Bhaktivedanta Chakshidadeva Goswami Maharaj. His appearance in my life had a great effect upon me. He was backward-pushing. Prabhupada was forward-pushing. He said, Prabhupada said, I came to your country, to the United States, as an aggressor. A Krishna, of course. <laughs> Shidomaras was described himself, and I think Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasri Thakur described him as a backward-pushing man. He made a pact, as I said, after the disappearance of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasri Thakur with Nityananda Prabhu. He was not giving initiation to anyone. He asked Nityananda Prabhu's permission at Ekachakra, the birthplace of Nitai, for residence in the Dham, that I could take up my place of domicile in Nabadweep. And he got an impression in his heart from Nityananda Prabhu that said, you ask for my mercy, but you don't give your mercy to anyone. So he could understand. Nityananda Prabhu is giving me the inspiration to give initiation. And if I do, then I can stay in the Dham. So I won't go out after people, but if anybody comes who's sincere and qualified, then I won't withhold. So he began like this, his mission, so to speak, with disciples living in Nabadweep Dham. So he had a different disposition from Prabhupada, and I'm influenced by that disposition, as much as I am by the disposition of Prabhupada, and the two are opposites. <laughs> so I've compromised that, or I've brought those two together in the concept of this Audarya monastery in many respects, and I think that it does as much as the two of them did and do, it represents Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who wanted wide preaching, but certainly not at the cost of internal life, such that it would bring about internal life. He didn't want people just going for internal life and foregoing the preaching, knowing that they would end up, for the most part, simply going down, because the culture of internal life requires some qualification, some adhikar, to do it alone and not in numbers. Sankirtan means in numbers. Mass prayer. Near Janbhajan means alone. To go to a quiet place, sit and do bhajan. But you take with you, of course, your mind, and it speaks loudly, and it's difficult to quiet that mind. But if we try to engage the mind, and this is the idea of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur in terms of kirtan, in wide-scale dissemination of these very esoteric teachings, that is a big task. Such an esoteric teaching, the hidden rahasya, secret of bhakti, and the secret within the secret of bhakti, which is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, to present that widely, that takes some thought, some realization. That's not an easy thing to do. It will tax our minds. It will tax our intelligence. And if we can tax our minds and intelligence in Krishna's service, our heart will become purified and we'll become qualified for bhajan, for inner life, for sitting in a quiet, sacred place and not being drawn out of it by the mind, simply to think of women and money and pratishta. So as much as Sridhar Maharaj and Prabhupada represent Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur, and we have both sides in them, outgoing and inward-going, and inward going is in both of them and outward going also to some extent as well. As I said, even Siddhar Maharaj, the whole world came to his doorstep in, in many respects. Actually, Siddhar Maharaj's desire to be out of the limelight was so strong that as prominent as he became in the lives of the disciples of Bhaktivedanta Sami Prabhupada, who are the forerunners really of this whole Western worldwide movement of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, 
as prominent as he became, and he became extremely prominent, he still remains in the background. That is to say, many people don't realize what a prominent role he played and plays in their lives as, I like to call them, the Adi Sikshaguru of the whole Western worldwide Vaishnav movement. The practical reality of having a Siksha Guru other than one's Diksha Guru manifested first in the form of Now it's fashionable. I have a Siksha Guru, I have a Siksha Guru, his name is here and there. Who's your Siksha Guru? <laughs> it's almost fashionable. In those days, it was a heresy. In the days that we went to Sridhar Maharaj, it was the greatest heresy. It was the most misunderstood principle. He ushered in that principle as a personal example of that, and of course giving the underlying philosophical support for that, which has filtered down here, there, and everywhere. The idea that you could read other books, that there were other books even, even though Prabhupada had written the Bhagavad Gita, that there might be value in reading another Bhagavad Gita, even though Prabhupada himself says that in his own Bhagavad Gita commentary, that what he said trouble with the whole concept. It's understandable we were so attached to Prabhupada, and Prabhupada was everything to us. There was nothing else. When the sun's up, you don't look for light anywhere else. But when the sun set, how many rays of that light of the son of Prabhupada actually entered our heart and illuminated it? That's another thing. He sent help in the form of Sri Dharmar. He brought him out, as Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthik Thakur wanted him to do. Prabhupada fulfilled every desire of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthik Thakur that the Thakur expressed to him without fail. <laughs> this was one of them. Why should we deny him that? The Sridhar Maharaj actually has played a very, very prominent role, continues to play a prominent role, but still he remains in the background. Still, in many of the minds, they don't understand things that they're saying, quoting, thinking, and bracing now. Those concepts came from him. I remember when I first heard the talks of Sridhar Maharaj in the literature that had been produced, I realized what he is saying here, everyone who's on the path has to come to grips with these concepts, embrace them. So whether everyone's ready for that or not, if I understand that, and I did at the time, I have to embrace them, and I did. So both of them are certainly ideal representatives of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur in different ways. And I've been influenced by both of them, and Audarya is really an expression of that. It's a beautiful and sacred, secluded place. Probably one of the most beautiful places in the whole world. Even people from the valley here, Anderson Valley, who come here, they're amazed at the beauty of it. For a long time, I wanted a place like this where I could manifest from scratch my idea of a monastery that would correspond with my inner sentiments and the taste, the sense of my writing and preaching since the disappearance of Prabhupada, since I took shelter of Sridhar Marsh. At that time, I began really... Sridhar Marsh didn't allow us to be aggressors against ISKCON upon leaving ISKCON. In fact, one of my godbrothers wanted to put a picture of him on the altar in one of the temples of ISKCON. He had been so moved by him. He wouldn't allow it. He said, I will be seen as an intruder. He said, it's unthinkable to me that I would be thought of as an aggressor to the mission of Swami Maharaj. It's unimaginable, unthinkable to me. And some were thinking of him like that, and still do today even. And so to underscore this point, I inform you how he instructed us. We were not allowed to go and break down the doors of Iskon and picket it 
and complain that we should be allowed to come in and give class and why aren't we being allowed? Why isn't he being allowed? Why isn't he on the altar or anything like this? As wrong as the institution may have been in dealing with us and dealing with Sridhar Maharaj, it didn't matter. It was the institution. It had its policies. It had its administrative body, the GBC, appointed by Prabhupada, and Sridhar Maharaj honored it, even if they were wrong. So we had to strike out, so to speak, on our own, and he told us that. You might want to better stay inside, even if it's wrong. You might have better support within to carry on, because in numbers, there's support. When you go alone, you may go faster than a group, but you may fall down also. He laid it all out for us, <laughs> very clearly, and he didn't canvas us to come out. But uh, some of us came out, and, and on the strength of his inspiration, insight, spiritual guidance, and that of Prabhupada, combined, we're trying to do something here in Aldardia, and the idea basically is that uh, there are many temples in the world, and in this country in particular there are many temples, and they're wonderful temples, but I've seen also in my experience that often the Sunday go-to feast program provides more of a social-religious atmosphere than it does an atmosphere that inspires experiential spiritual life, inspires one to embrace Gaudiya Vaishnavism with a view to get real spiritual experience. So this is one humble attempt to provide that kind of an atmosphere. In other words, it's a place where people have to come. If they're going to come, they have to come and take some time to come here. It's quite a drive from San Francisco even. It's about a two and a half an hour, hour drive. Of course, it's a beautiful drive. And as you drive out of the city into the country, it becomes more beautiful and more peaceful. And the grip that the city world has upon you starts to relax. And by taking the time to come here, rather than a quick drive down to the local temple, there's some mental preparation involved. I mean, you have to kind of close down what you're doing for some time to come here, even if it's just for a day. And the setting, when you get here, of course, is very conducive to thinking about what you're about, why you're involved in Godivashtivism, and to what extent you are, and so forth. And as the project begins to develop, and we have guest facilities and so forth, and the temple is built, and, and all, I'm, I'm confident it will provide a very potent spiritual atmosphere where devotees in other than monastic context can come and associate with devotees who are genuinely living in a monastic life. That we're not just grabbing them off the streets and shaving them up here to be brahmacharis. Actually, we're mostly turning young women and men away or asking them to really be sure that they want to live a monastic life and giving me a chance to be sure that they're even potentially psychologically suited for monastic life. It's not for everyone, at least not now, monastic life. And, of course, we don't have to be in monastic life to make spiritual progress. We have to be in, in the position we're supposed to be in. That which we're psychologically suited for, that which we, which we have adhikar for, qualification for, then we can progress nicely. And, in my experience, a lot of devotees were not always situated such that they could make progress happily and naturally. And this is very, very central to the teachings of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur and Bhaktivinoda Thakur.
Again, so many people going off just to wear the kopan and in the name of Nirjan Bhajan, which they didn't have Adhikar for. Therefore, the whole concept of Daivavarnashram of Bhakti Vinod, which was instituted to some extent by Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur. So this is very a very important point. Let there be some genuine monks who live simply on the strength of their monastic life and uh, dependence upon Guru and Krishna, and let them by that inspire other religious and spiritual-minded people of the world to associate with them in ways that are practical, by getting the recordings, for example, by helping with their worldly influence, their intelligence, their wealth, and coming and sharing in the wealth of the spiritual experience here at Audarja. It's not that there aren't monasteries in India, moths and so forth, but in America, I don't know of any real monastery for Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And my vision is that outside of every major metropolis, there should be one. Let there be the city temples, they're there, and let them go on nicely. But let there be a place outside of every major metropolis where there are a few, doesn't have to be many, real monks living simply and practicing the teachings sincerely and living on their practice, on the strength of their practice. And let people from the cities, devotees from the cities, take time to come to those places and associate with the monks and sannyasis and brahmacharis and imbibe the atmosphere and take time to think about what they are involved in. Not that we shouldn't be doing that every day, but we don't. And it's difficult to do that because we're also involved in the world and the world is calling on us and calling on us. But all over this country, I know that there are Buddhist monasteries and there are people who work in the world all year long and take their vacations to go to those monasteries and monasteries and meditate. Prabhupada wanted us to do wide-scale propaganda of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, but he said, I'm sorry to Prabhupada wanted us to. Prabhupada told us at one time, study the Catholic Church. I think he meant in terms of their organization. I've studied Buddhism to some extent in terms of the success they've had in the Western world. It's a phenomenal. It's the kind of success that Prabhupada wanted for Gaudiya Vaishnavism in many respects. And one of the things that they've done is established monasteries all over the countryside. And people come to those monasteries from the world who are affiliated with them by way of supporting them and getting their newsletter and their tapes or whatever it is that they produce. And they come to them on their vacation for a week, two weeks, or a weekend. And they meditate. They stare at a white wall for eight hours. I mean, they really come not for a socio-religious experience. Hari bowl and let's take prashad. We should have Hari bowls and we should take prashad, but we should know what prashad is, and why we take prashad, and what is Hari bowl. Not let these important things, wonderful things, become merely cliches. So when I see people coming and doing serious practice on their vacation at a Buddhist monastery, then I'm called to think, go to your Vaishnavas, they should be doing this also, or at least there should be a facility for them to do so. 
come and spend the weekend, spend a week, and then take that experience with you back to the world. Make your home life a better place, make the world a better place, make our place a better place here by coming here and interacting with the atmosphere and with myself and with the monks in a way that you can get the most out of it. By the grace of Bhakti Siddham Sarti Thakur, Bhakti Dr. Siddhi Goswami Maharaj and Bhakti Vinata Sami Prabhupada, we have something a little bit to share. Those of you who listen to the tapes and all, you can appreciate that to some extent. We come here to this environment, which is meant to correspond, as I said earlier, with my writing and my inner experience over time as it manifests. This will be probably the best place to take advantage of whatever there is to take advantage of in my association. And of course, having said something about this place and it being a little considerably secluded and so forth and so on, it doesn't mean that I won't go forth from here or I wouldn't be happy to come to any one of the listeners' homes and spend some time there. Of course, I would as this becomes more established. In fact, I'm, as I mentioned in the previous newsletter, I'm starting to think a little bit like that, that I would like to go forth and um, visit some friends in different parts of the world and share with them their experiences and and mine, hear their questions and answer them, take prashad with them and so forth. So anyway, in in some humble way, we are trying to manifest the spirit of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur and do something fresh at a time in which, in my estimation, the preaching has become a little bit stale in many respects and lifeless and Gaudiya Vaishnavism is not viewed by the world as vital and dynamic and interesting but rather passe often and certainly what we have in mind here would not be viewed like that so at least we're trying to use as probably say our American intelligence and insight to find creative ways and means to present Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching, which is what Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada was all about. So we ask his blessings on this day's disappearance. Viraha Titi, that in this Viraha <laughs> secluded place we can feel his presence and that we can come closer to devotees all over the world and people all over the world, kind-hearted people all over the world who are interested in making the world a better place by making their hearts pure. Bhaktisanta Sastri Thakur Prabhupada Jai.